live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Unity Day, live from Studio C. See, senor, indeed. Dimly lit room, deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. Hey, everybody. Today, hump day, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Gonna go with P.J. O'Rourke, the great satirist, commentator, humorist, writer, friend of the Armstrong and Getty show, passed yesterday, I think, or the day before at the age of 74. That's sad. I've admired him a great deal since I was a kid. Yeah, we have some quotes and uh, clips from him later, so stay tuned for that. How y'all doing, huh? Excited? Excited about the day? Hey! Hey. What? No? Got some interesting stuff to talk about. Disappointed in a Harvard study that just came out and says kids should leave their masks on. What? Yeah. I think somebody, well, you know. Harvard should shut its pie hole. Big finish here. Yeah, da 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 da. If I'm looking for something positive, that was just in my spinning mind, which spins very slowly at this point. Um, I was in my slowly spinning mind, I was thinking, what positive do I have to say? This is very positive. Uh, the tide is clearly turned on the whole school thing. It's you know, it's like turning around a ocean liner. It'll be slow and it'll take a while. But the fact that three school board members in San Francisco got ousted last night. 70% of the voters saying, get! The, yes. This is the school board members, the, the leading progressive voices on, we can't have schools named after Lincoln, and keeping the schools closed while they're arguing whether or not founding fathers can have their names on the schools. And that was too much, even for San Francisco. And as we saw in Virginia and now SF and various places around the country, I think maybe the tide has turned. And this is the thing I've been saying for a long time, is that maybe... The silver lining in this whole freaking pandemic thing is people, and I'm, I mean me as much as anybody, go back to paying attention to our school board and our district attorney and the stuff that really has a day-to-day effect on our lives, as opposed to arguing about who we're going to vote for president and completely ignoring who runs our school and decides what crimes are pros- prosecuted. I think that's an excellent point, and I love that idea, and I think you're probably right. It's like, you know, you can listen to lectures about the challenges and failings of the medical system for weeks and weeks and weeks, years, months, whatever. You can study it your entire life, but two days in the hospital? Oh, you're going to get the problems and challenges of America's healthcare system. Well, like it or not, we got thrust into an experiment of what happens when, A, radical politics take over those offices you mentioned, and B, oh, the nation endures a crisis, and our crappy, crappy leaders decide that they should seize even more power than usual and control things to save the people. Boy, did we live through that experiment. The average person in America, when it comes to who's going to be on their local school board, the average voter, how much do they know about those candidates compared to who's running for president, would you guess? I'm going to be generous here. I think 10% of the voters know 40% of what they should know. And that's the good news. And the other 90% would be like me, zero. 
Right. They might recognize a name on a ballot and say, oh, yeah, Jones, Jones. I think my kid played softball with Harry Jones, and then that's it. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, which which means the teachers' unions, who by God know who's running and who's on the ballot, and all of their members and people close to them get out and vote, they elect the school boards in a, a, a substantial percentage of the time. Um. The uh, U.S. Senate is split on a vote of whether or not to impose sanctions on Russia or how much. So maybe we'll have to look into that story because that's just coming across now. I, I took in a damned interesting podcast among super smart people about this um, move. It, it happened in Canada, and we're doing it with Russia. This move after going after people's banking um, is, is kind of a new wrinkle right, in world history. Right. And what that might mean for the future. And we better uh, maybe we tread tread slowly and carefully with that whole thing. Right. Oh, speaking of which, I think the Canada story is yeah. enormously important. Right. Uh, the the uh, how did they elect? Well, they uh, Trudeau, his dad, prime was minister, a, his dad was prime minister. He's a known quantity. He's a name. And he's and got it's unbelievable a, hair. It's uh, it is unbelievable. It's like. Height of the Bee Gees, good hair. I mean, if you're, it's like Patrick Swayze in his prime hair. Yeah, it's it's you're a hair you model hair. I will grant you that. <laughs> On the other hand, in a parliamentary system, his party actually is a minority party. They won what? What was it? What's the number? Thirty-one percent of the vote, or something like that. And uh, but they formed a coalition with some other parties, and the winning party, the the uh, plu- plurality party, the conservative party, couldn't form a government, I guess. And so, anyway, this 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 hair model becomes the prime hey, minister. Yeah, beautiful hair. He still does, sir. Anyway, but he has, for the first time in Canadian history, invoked the Emergency Powers Act over the trucker and others protest and i think that is going to be a a moment a a a bright line you know it's going to be canadian history before that moment canadian history after that i think we're going to see some big changes in our our good friends to the north so uh let's start the show officially i'm jack armstrong he's joe getty on this wednesday february 16th the year 2022 new you in 22 we are armstrong and getty and we approve of this program so much to do let's begin doing it precisely according to fcc rules and regulations here we go at mark the wonders of the internet have really lowered the tone i mean it's uh, i look at this and i go well, whose bright idea was it to put every idiot in the world in touch with every other idiot? <laughs> yeah. It's working. <laughs> yeah. TJ O'Rourke. Yeah. Um, we got more quotes from him and uh, that sort of stuff as he died yesterday. So this is breaking news. Uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken says there is no meaningful pullback of Russia's forces, so we're completely flat out stating that what they said yesterday is uh, bunk. Well, what they said and what was quickly and obediently parroted by the talking heads of the American media, I think the entire thing was an exercise that the Russians pulled to see if they could get America's media to just uh, echo any propaganda point. So they threw something out there. Well, it worked. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, we got to look into that Harvard study on masks. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm skeptical. I want to, want to, want to delve into that oh, before absolutely. I just take the headlines at face value. 
Let me get back to the very concept of breaking news and parroting Russian uh, propaganda points. How much breaking news does the average person, or practically any person, have to hear while it's breaking? I'm thinking troop of apes escapes from the zoo two blocks away from your Locally, house. Locally, yeah. It has to be, yeah. it has to be really, really local. Oh, yeah. Happens it, in, I don't know, Cincinnati. I don't care. I mean, I care. <laughs> but, right, that breaking news. Tornado is bearing down on Centerville. You live in Centerville? By golly, that's some breaking news you want to hear. Practically anything else is just, I don't know, it's just trying to titillate your endorphins. Well, uh, friend of the Armstrong and Getty show, uh, James Lindsay, the mathematician from Portland, who is the leading voice in fighting against critical race there. Anyway, he says that he mathematically figured out, and I don't know how you'd put math to this, but he said he mathematically figured out that if you, uh, if you do a good job of taking in your sources, you can find out everything you need to know in 10 minutes. Per day. Okay. I don't doubt that. In terms of quote-unquote hard news. Things that you need to know, like you were just talking about. I I think 10 minutes is probably fairly generous. In terms of things you need to know on a daily... There are lots of days. Now, I don't want to put us out of business and make me unemployed. I have a distinction to make, but go on. um, uh, (laughs) uh, There are lots of days where there, there can't be 10 minutes worth of things you need to know. You could easily not have known any of the things that happened today. It's yeah. got to be most days. I mean, assuming you're not on, like, the Senate Foreign Relations well, Committee yeah. or something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Yes, a regular human. You're not, and then there's, you don't have a gun to your head to decide whether to sell all of your stocks today. I think that's an FEC violation. Should be. Yeah. Uh, so the distinction I want to make is then, and, and what we try to do is is talk about, you know, the way things actually Stay work. employed is what we try to do. <laughs> Lord knows, uh, yeah, a little perspective, a little discussion, a little little humor, obviously, um, and and uh, the ideas behind the clickbait, and and we hope you find that somewhat gratifying. We enjoy doing it, so thank you for being here. Mm. Here's some clickbait. Have you heard the latest on the Bob Saget story? No. In- interesting wrinkle. Couple of interesting wrinkles. So stay tuned for that. It's kind of clickbait, but eh, kind of not. Um, I, I've got a real payoff. I mean, it's it's interesting. How yeah. does how does mailbag look? It's actually quite good. Oh, good. Well, I put a little it. extra time into it. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. <laughs> so that's on the way next. And our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Do you know the NBC announcers stayed quiet during that Russian girl's performance the other night? Didn't talk as kind of a a protest. No, I didn't know that. That is interesting. Yeah, more on that later. And she's the best in the world. And they didn't say anything while she skated. NBC presenting the Communist Party line is the other side of the argument uh, about genocide and but they're offended by cheating figure skating. Mm. Okay. That's some pretty good commentary right there. PJ O'Rourke would have been proud. <laughs> That's very kind of you to say. God bless him. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day from the great PJ O'Rourke. You know what I loved about PJ O'Rourke so much? 
And seriously, I think my parents gave me my first P.J.O. O'Rourke book when I was like 18. Uh, I like that he was a brilliant and clear-eyed satirist, but he had a gentle spirit. Even when he was at his hardest core, he had a kindness. Happy warrior. Yeah, that sort of thing. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day from P.J. O'Rourke. There is only, and Jack uh, grabbed this one brilliantly. There is only one basic human right, the right to do as you damn well please. And with it comes the only basic human duty, the duty to take the consequences. That is a very American traditional way to look at life. How many people want to craft a society around that? I know uh, I do. I'm reminded of one of my favorite uh, thoughts expressed by various philosophers, including uh, several of the founding papas, uh, liberty demands responsibility, and that's why so few people are in favor of it. Mm. Lazy bastards. Here's your uh, mailbag. The shocking decline in sexual relations, uh, coupling in general in the United States. Was the, this was one of our topics yesterday. Why did people have comments? Featuring a couple, Victor writes... Men are doing less physical activities. It would be fewer, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> exercise increases testosterone, so logically, lack of it may decrease it. Drinking, drugs, and fat lowers it, too. That's true. There are a lot of things going on that lower testosterone. Uh, bah, 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 and bah. T- does testosterone make you want to couple? Yes, it is. Uh, it is a significant uh, hormone in both men and women for wanting makes... to, as scientists say, get it on. Okay, but it makes you want to have sex. But does that make you want to be in a relationship? See, that's the part I don't get. Are those though, that tightly related? I don't feel yes. like they are. You, you think they are? Yeah, although not exclusively. It's it's there are a number of human needs that are met by having a a, a mate, a companion. The sexual one is an important one. It's not the only one. But, you know, it's it's like uh, uh, if I get into law school, I need uh, a good grade in these three classes to average out to a 4.1. Well, if I get a 2 in one of the classes, I'd better have the highest conceivable grade in the other two classes. You got no testosterone going? Well, you better have a serious need for, uh, you know, the opposite sex, same sex, whatever, companionship or whatever. I don't know about other people, but I would never be in a relationship just because I needed to have X number of sexual experiences per month. Um, relationships are too hard for, for that. No, I don't think it's uh, even a mile. Uh, it's not within a mile of being that conscious or, or, or like, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like black and white. I guess I'm just my uh, my point is I always has been on this topic. I'm just surprised so many people aren't aren't driven to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I always feel like I have been and still am. Yep. But maybe maybe other people aren't. Yeah. Of course, I have the testosterone of a bull moose. I'm well known for that. <laughs> uh, oh, geez. So uh, here's Kendra. Uh, I believe the desire to have uh, the decline, the desire to have sex on a mass scale, is because the prevalence of people taking SSRIs, those are the antidepressant yeah. drugs and similar, That's... not wanting sex is a major side effect. And again, does that make people not want to be in relationships? I don't know. Again, you got a yeah. D in government, so you'd better get an A in uh, you know poli sci four hundred blah blah blah. God, to me, uh, no sex and no relationship seems like like the double whammy, but. 
Is there a nice golf course nearby? I'll survive. Is there something on TV? Is there a new Netflix series on? There you go. Guys, or fellas, why are guys hesitant? I'll tell you in three words. Biatches be leftists. Oh, oh it's political. <laughs> As the politically obnoxious but uh, talented songwriter, uh, uh, don't tell me, Billy Bragg uh, once put it, we are engaged in the ideological cuddle. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, on the topic of vaccines and mandates and that sort of thing, Justin says, uh, guys, again, please recognize many of us refusing the jab have natural immunity, which nearly every study these days cites as far superior to the jab. Please mention it in the discussions. Blah, blah, blah. It's a good point, Justin. I mean, at some point we get tired of repeating ourselves, but it's a fair point. <clears throat> I love this email from, uh, we'll just call him Al Anonymous, who was uh, formerly, I believe, a drug addict. Um He says, I agree with all of your comments about bums and junkies and the crisis we're in. I do think you need to acknowledge in the homeless situation well enough, oh, that there are success stories similar to mine. You have a broad audience feel that uh, from your platform you can encourage people struggling in that area, providing them a glimpse of hope. Um, uh, You know, it's a really nice note. His point is, yes, there are great success stories of people who are bums and junkies living on the street, living in tents, shooting up whatever, who turn their lives around and do great things. So, if uh, you know, from our lips to your tense ears, turn your life around. It can be done. Is the world about to head down a different road economically? Around Russia, around what's happening in Canada, and what does it have to do with the Super Bowl commercials? All tied together on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Here's the clickbait story to kick off the segment, then we'll get into stuff important on Bob Saget. Um, So, one, his family is suing in Florida to try to keep the medical stuff quiet, and they say they just don't want to go through the public pain of all that. And that makes perfectly good sense to me. Oh, Um, yeah, that's classic tabloid crap. On the other hand... Uh, the stories that are out, and I don't know that these have been refuted by anybody, that the autopsy report is that his head injury was not... I think we were all picturing, like, he, he hit his head on the counter when he stood up or something. You know, the sort of thing where you hit your head. And you mm-hmm. think, ah, oh, dang it, that kind of hurts. And then you go to bed, and then he died. He didn't realize yeah. it was a big deal. That it was severe blunt force, more like if you fell 20 feet or somebody hit in the head with a bat. Oh, wow, wait a minute. Yeah, severe blow to the head. Uh, is what the autopsy report says. So now there's a lot more question as to, because, you know, how would you end up with something like that heavy duty and ignore it? So I don't know. Who knows? And there's no point in speculating. In fact, that's probably cruel to speculate, but uh, it's it's certainly more interesting now. And and the fact that the family at the same time, you know, that perfectly justifiable that the family would say, hey, let he's a celebrity. When you release this, it's another 48 hours of news coverage. It's painful for us. Nobody needs to know this. Mm. On the other hand, finding out that the injury is more severe. And, and it's not like we have a need to know anyway. It's not like I think Bob Saget assassinated Kennedy or anything like that. So No, but I, you know, we were talking about natural human urges in the last segment. Uh, here's another one. If somebody dies and it's not clear how, humans want to know how and, point. and make sure justice is True. done. True. 
True. So now all of a sudden it looks like somebody bashed the guy's head in, and and maybe. But the Florida authorities said initially, initially, they didn't suspect foul play. Correct. And didn't see any sign of drug use or alcohol or anything like that. So there's more to be uh, more to be learned, clearly. With celebrities, you never know. Yeah, yeah, or, or you know, hot-looking uh, white girl uh, will uh, sustain a couple of weeks of TV coverage as well. Right. Yeah. Anywho. Meanwhile, up in Canada. Over the weekend, the Ambassador Bridge connecting Detroit and Windsor reopened after protesters had blocked it, clogging the supply chain for U.S. automakers. But similar demonstrations have started popping up around the world, from New Zealand to France to Israel. In the U.S., they're being embraced by some conservative politicians. But I hope the truckers do come to America. I hope they clog up cities. I was Rand Paul there at the end. And then the other clip we're going to play back-to-back. Let's play it back-to-back. To continue building on these efforts, the federal government is ready to use more tools at its disposal to get the situation fully under control. The federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act to supplement provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and occupations. So, little uh, Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, invoked for the first time ever the Emergencies Act which was a new version of what was called the War Measures Act back in the day, um, in order to mobilize the Canadian military and all sorts of financial measures to crush the, 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 the truckers' movement or whatever you want to call it. I want to talk about the financial part of it uh, when you're done with this. That's what I'm on about. Now, so in, just in general with the whole thing... Um, most of my favorite conservative, like actual conservative pundits, not bomb chuckers, but they're cons- believe in conservative uh, politics and values, uh, are against what the truckers are doing. In particular, in that you can't—I mean, we've always been against—you can't—you can't block the Golden Gate Bridge because you don't like the war in Iraq. You just can't. People need to go to work. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Right. Um, you can't build a Chaz in the middle of Seattle. Um, breaking the law is breaking the law. Uh, and so, like I said, most of the conservative pundits that I that I, that I really admire uh, have been against the particulars of what the truckers are doing. And so you, you can't you just can't allow that. I mean, society couldn't function if everybody for every cause could shut down commerce. Right. Uh, um, also, it's worth noting that the the true the, they don't have any support in Canada. Like twenty five percent in polling of people in Canada support the truckers, even though Trudeau's polling has gone into the tank it's mostly because he hasn't found a way to take care of the situation Mm -hmm. that's their politics not our politics but their politics right and you have the uh, ottawa police chief retiring or uh, yeah he retired uh he's under fire for not controlling the trucker thing um it let me uh, a few more facts and then um then some analysis i guess uh they've attacked the uh, they've blocked the ability for not GoFundMe, but uh, what's a Give, Send, Go, which is a GoFundMe uh, parallel, t- it's a t- similar site 
but with conservative values because GoFundMe has become unquestionably political. Um, they have blocked the ability to get Give, Send, Go uh, funds to the truckers in any way. They have announced all sorts of threats of fines and imprisonment for anybody who helps the truckers in any way. They will yank your uh, license to, to drive a truck. The businesses, industries, the corporations that own the trucks... If they're found to be in any way cooperating, they will yank their licenses to do business in Canada. Draconian commercial penalties for this. And I have all sorts of different conflicting thoughts about this whole thing. Number one, a lot of what the truckers are, are saying, the actual truckers are saying, I think is completely defensible. Like, Oh, any, yeah, I agree with them. The idea that they should be mandated to get the vaccine with their jobs, I think, is crazy. To go back and forth across the border. It's idiotic. There's just no need for it. Um, at the same time, I agree that when you exercise your 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 natural right for civil disobedience, part of that bargain is you will take the consequences for it. And so, if they begin clearing the streets to get commerce flowing again, I'm not going to shed a tear. I do think it's dangerous. That Trudeau is exercising for the first time ever these draconian state of emergency policies over what has been almost entirely a peaceful protest at this point, as opposed to a slower, more patient, you know, discussion, enforcement of local police ordinances, that sort of thing. Or letting it run out of steam. Sometimes the the politics of this thing, as opposed to what is right and wrong, um, I think he's gotten way wrong. You know, yeah. what they did in Seattle, while the rest of the country, us normal people, were, were looking on thinking, this is insane. Part of what they were doing was letting it run out of steam, I think, because they, they, they wondered what happens if we really come in there and try to clear that out right away with mm-hmm. these people having uh, you know all this momentum. Uh, and Trudeau, rather than, like you said, uh, different tactics or slower or just kind of letting the steam go out of it, has decided to go with this really hardcore. This is the sort of thing that turns people into revolutionaries and yeah. and and causes them to to want to do bad things when they aren't doing bad things now. And and my final thought, I guess, because we need to watch this evolve, um, is that if if we had not just come out of the pandemic. And the incredible overreach of governments, state, local, federal, the ignoring the science when it uh, suited the teachers unions, for instance, all the while howling that we're following the science, the abuse of the children, the, the hypocrisy, the, the, all the Gavi awards we gave out. If we were not just coming out of that, You'd look at the Canada thing and, and say, and, and we would be saying, well, you got to be careful declaring emergency powers because governments always abuse emergency powers. They always overreach and blah, blah, blah. And people would be thinking, well, these guys sound paranoid. <laughs> these, these libertarian type weirdos. I don't know. I think the government can be trusted. But coming on the heels of the COVID, this just feels like, wait a minute. Here's another government saying, well, this is an emergency granting us extraordinary powers to throw people in jail for looking at us cross-eyed. And so the reach for the emergency lever is exactly. very easy. Right. It, it, it almost becomes like a, the uh, justification for physical force. If that gets too common, too casual, you end up with 
brutality, police brutality, personal brutality, whatever. So I think the next week or so in Canada could be a major pivot point in Canadian history, which will echo out throughout the uh, developed world. Here's the banking end of it. Maybe I should talk about this when we come back, because this is a little complicated. And this is a classic Jack knows just enough to make the situation worse sort of topic. Oh, boy. It's like me explaining Bitcoin back in the day. It's a, oh. That's a legendary. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so uh, let me throw in one quick thing here, and then when we come back, I'll talk about the banking end of it, which fits in with a lot of the Super Bowl commercials. Uh, separate topic here. I got my bill yesterday for my emergency ambulance ride when I had my gallbladder attack. Oh, boy. Yeah. And I want to know, is anybody... Is, is any, how, does anybody know, is there anything you can do about this? It makes no sense to me that I have health coverage that covers, I don't know what my gallbladder surgery, I was in the hospital for five and a half days. That had to cost six figures, didn't it? Right. With of course. the surgery. Oh, yeah. so, and I've paid, I don't know, a couple, couple grand out of that $150,000, $200,000. But the ambulance ride isn't covered. What, what, what is that? Does anybody know why that is? Or is there anything you can do about that? Can you, can you push back? Has anybody had success in pushback? I got the bill. $3,500. It's not like I had an option. I mean, it's, it's like all of a sudden I get a bill from the hospital for that one tool we use to pry your gallbladder out. You have to pay for all that. Insurance doesn't cover that tool. So that, I'm right. sorry, is $3,500. That doesn't make any sense. It's part of the whole emergency surgery thing. Does well, it make any sense to anybody else? Why are they a separate entity that is not part of the insurance thing? Was I supposed to crawl there screaming in pain? I don't know what I was supposed to do. Well, if you were injured in Chicago and could only be treated at a hospital in San Francisco, okay, $3,900. But I happen to know you didn't go that far. I'm like six blocks from the hospital where I live. Yeah, thirty nine hundred bucks. Actually, fair. as much pain as I was in, if I'd known it was going to be thirty five hundred dollars, I probably would have tried to drive bent over, screaming in my car. But that's just weird. Anybody have any experience with that? Text line four one five two nine five KFTC four one five two nine five KFTC. I don't know what they're doing. It's weird. Um, how Super Bowl ads factor into Canada and Russia, and all that sort of stuff. I'm intrigued. Eh? Can I tie it together? I'm going to try. Uh, all that's on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Celebrations are already underway here in Los Angeles. Earlier today, the famous Hollywood sign was temporarily changed to say Ram's House. Yeah, and in keeping with tradition here in L.A., that house is a two-bed, one-bath that costs $9 million. (laughs) The sign will stay up through Wednesday because this is Los Angeles and we can't pretend to care about sports any longer than that. There you go. Nice. That's true. That is a big difference. If Cincinnati had won, oh, my God. They'd have had to take several days off for the big parade, and uh, nobody would have done anything. And people would talk about the big Cincinnati Super Bowl win for generations. Sure. Sure. In L.A., as soon as the buses stop smoldering, the celebration's (laughs) over. (laughs) By the way, got a text from uh, someone we know who had a heart attack 
and had oh, no. to go in an ambulance. This is years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, had a heart attack, and they had to go in an ambulance and got hit with that sort of bill, too. I mean, that's obviously... And you know, had a second heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> so how is that not part of the... So and and they said it's a California thing. So maybe those of you listening around the uh, country, you don't get hit with a thirty five hundred dollar bill for an obviously needed part of the whole health thing. Right, right. I see your point. It's like doctors, yes, covered. Nurses, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Syringe, yes. Medicine in it, no. That's that's Sorry. on you. Right. <laughs> wow. Anyway, uh, I'm sure I'll get more texts on that. So. Um, I, I took in a podcast on this topic of uh, banking and where we're headed in the world. It's complicated. Um, I listened to it twice. I still barely understand it, but I think I understand it enough to just pass it along as something to keep our eye on. So what Trudeau, Trudeau did or is doing up in Canada, deplatforming people through the, in the banking system. So the truckers or the companies or that sort of thing to where you're no longer able to participate in the economy. Yeah, I left that out. That's a huge aspect of it. Is a new tool. The fact that we're threatening Russia with uh, the, what they call the swift banking system. It's the way the whole world does business by booting them out of that is a is it would be radical. We've, that hasn't been done before. I mean, maybe you can make the argument it's necessary, but it hasn't been done because it's basically just making you unable to participate. How does this fit in with what was ha- the Super Bowl ads? All those Bitcoin ads. That, 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 I meant to start with this. My, I have no political screed here. I'm not advocating for anything. I'm just letting you know, as I was listening to this economic podcast, this is something that is occurring. How it is going to turn out is anybody's guess, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. But... These moves by governments to deplatform, whether it's the truckers and companies or the United States deplatforming Russia or whatever, is going to make Bitcoin a bigger deal. This whole, okay, we don't need government currencies. We don't need to participate in some sort of world banking U.S. dollar thing. We do everything on our own. Uh, fits in a little bit with the GoFundMe deciding, no, nah, you sent all this money, but we don't, we don't like this cause, so we're going to hang, hang on to it. Mm-hmm. Just all these different separate banking entities that are going to be emboldened by uh, the, the, the politics of not liking that other banking entity. Entity, right? Um, so I assume you mean cryptocurrency in general. Yes, cryptocurrency yeah. in general, yeah. not in the uh-huh. individual one. Right. So yeah. it's going to cause more people, maybe revolutionaries in various countries, who are being deplatformed by their governments or various rogue governments to start their own system that's cryptocurrency that you have no way of getting to the money. Or are there going to be more cryptocurrencies that get into the world of like the way GoFundMe is did? And now they got pressured into having to release the money but if they were a cryptocurrency out of who knows where um and that had gotten everybody to donate money they could have just made a political decision no we're not giving them the money what would your been your recourse none right you don't even know who they are um so, so anyway it's the idea that the world could the the whole banking system that has been pretty uniform for a long time in the world Going back to, I think they were pegging it back to like the mid-1800s, really, for the developed world. Prior to that, when it first came on board in the United States, a little history lesson I learned yesterday, like the Jacksonian crowd was really skeptical of this whole 
uh, what is this paper money? How does that actually worth anything? We've been, you know, trading goods forever. I, I, I have a bushel of wheat. You got a donkey. I know how that works. But you give me a paper. I mean, how is that? How do I know that's worth? So it took a while to people to, to get, you know, on board with that. Does that last forever? Or is the world going to splinter off now into various crypto government controlled? Everybody's on a different system based on your politics sort of thing. Well, I would say the the war has begun over sure. there, clearly. I mean, just, and, and this is a little different angle, but uh, the idea of governments confiscating assets, you know, seizing the pipeline of the flow of electronic currency around the world, when it was terrorist, we were like, well, of course you got to interfere with Al-Qaeda's cash pipeline and, and that sort of thing. And I think everybody kind of approved of that. But now it's Canadian truckers who are clogging roadways, and it's government pressure of private entities uh, like uh, like uh, GoFundMe or what have you. And the emergencies and the unacceptable and the so beyond the pale, we're going to confiscate their assets. The Russian government, eh, arguably, if they're invading other countries. But so you've got more and more government willingness to jump in and separate people from their assets. Meanwhile, these alternatives, right. cryptocurrencies right. are out there. Fill in a hole. And, 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 oh, that's right. One more thing I meant to throw in. Keep in mind that governments all around the world, from China to the U.S., are trying to eliminate cash. Sure. They want every transaction loggable and traceable. So that all fits in in a really uncomfortable way. I mean, they... I think it's another example that we've been talking about lately of the world order coming apart. And this whole financial order has been going on for a long time, and maybe it's coming apart. I'll bet Gavin Newsom, for instance, Gretchen Whitmer, or what's her her face in New York, they dream of a day where they could freeze the bank accounts of people who refuse to get the jab for the COVID. Or you're on the wrong side of the trans issue, or whatever it is. That's hate speech. You can't have people spewing hate speech, have money. That's interesting stuff. Holy cow. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.